Hi, this is Mark. I'm one of the senior pastors from Hope Church Malmesbury. I want to personally thank you for downloading or listening online to this sermon cast from Hope Church. We, we share these messages because they really spoke to us. We value their, their content and uh, the anointing that's upon them. And I pray that they bring a fresh revelation of God's love for you today. And if you're able to support the work of Hope Church and the cost of sharing these messages online, then you can go to our website, www.thehope.church give and follow the instructions on that page. And if you're every mum's on a Sunday morning, you will always receive a very warm welcome at Hope Church. And now, let's join today's message. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome here to the Garden of Eden. Welcome to Hope Online. I am so glad that you could join us here today on the first Sunday of May. May! How could it be May already? Where, where has the year God, I can't believe it's May already. Well, mind you, I am so looking forward to Tuesday, May the 4th, be with you. Happy Star Wars Day. Are you going to be watching a Star Wars movie this week to celebrate? If you are, let me know in the chat which one you're going to be watching, or maybe more than one. But let me know, it's going to help me decide which Star Wars film I'm going to watch this week. Now, while you do that, let me tell you about the new PDF uh, reading software that's been created by the Jedi. Yeah, it's called Adobe One Kenobi. And little Luke Skywalker, he was always such a messy eater. In fact, you know, he used to eat things with his fingers and get mess everywhere, and he was always being told, use the forks, Luke, use the forks. Now, if you join... <laughs> Sorry. If you join us on Monday nights for communion on the couch, you may have recalled a small debate that Lydia and I had a, a couple of weeks ago now about Adam and Eve, about who first ate the forbidden fruit. Hmm? Well, if you don't recall, or if you never saw it, it went something like this, QVT. But I was thinking about the role that meals play. Mm-hmm. Um, because God didn't have to design humans to eat mm-hmm. he could have he, we could have sucked it in from the air like those funny little plants do yeah we could have sucked it in through our finger like mork and mindy but god designed mindy didn't no mork did <laughs> but, but god designed us to, to, to eat and, and he's built the concept of meals mm. into the human existence yeah um so when the pass like the, when the Passover meal was instituted by God, this is he, he was saying to to Israel, this is a special meal. You will gather as a family and you will eat this food and you will tell these stories around the dinner table yeah. as a way of remembering what I have done for you. Yeah, Amen. And when Jesus met with his disciples to celebrate a Passover feast, he instituted another kind of meal, he the did. Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. where he says, I want you to gather together around a table and share a meal and remember what I have done for you. <laughs> There's a bit of a pattern there, isn't there? Uh, if you think about in, in Psalms, in Psalm 23, it talks about that God prepares a banquet, a lays a table before us in the presence mm-hmm. of our enemies and the culmination of the whole um, story in the Bible finishes at the the marriage banquet of the Lamb. There's a meal celebrating at the end of history. Is mm-hmm. is what it's all about. And actually, if you go right back to the start of history, it was a meal gone wrong that caused all these problems <laughs> in the first place. Yep. When Eve ate what she wasn't supposed to mm-hmm. eat. There's something about meals 
and and Excuse coming together me, and Eve sharing. Gave it to Adam. Can we stop accusing Eve of eating it? But she did eat it. I'm just putting it out there for the ladies. What? She put it out there. He ate it. <laughs> Hold on, that's a different kind of problem. Um, she did. Yeah, sorry, carry on. No, I didn't mean to stop your flow. I just realised that you said Eve ate the apple when yeah, Eve ate the meal that she wasn't supposed to eat. Well, not until Adam did. She handed it to Adam. She may have caused some trouble in this, but we could go all night on this one. Okay, I'm just saying. That's a whole different talk. It's a whole different story. Yes, that's right. And and the, and, the, and the reason why the whole Adam and Eve thing is a problem is because if you... If you reading the, the 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 hebrew when it says that adam was there with eve adam was there with eve the word is used for when someone stood right next to someone so adam was watching eve do it she didn't eat first i'm sure of it don't get distracted <laughs> but anyway carry on yes yes now that you've now that you've derailed everyone she still ate it didn't she <laughs> that was a oh dear oh dear you carry on carry on well, no, because everyone's just going to be waiting. We're all doing it now. Your... Oh, like I'm the only one. Yeah. <laughs> so, Genesis, is that the beginning? Yeah, I can find that page. Yeah, the table of content. The fool. There it is, the fool. Um, the serpent's more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely, surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise she took of its fruit oh don't i feel silly now so the whole thing about the garden of eden okay was about the woman thinking she knew best <laughs> she took of it let's just let let's just finish the story she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. So he was there, that whole conversation in that case, well, was he? Exactly. And that's that's the point, because it was... It, was, it wasn't her that was told not to. He it, was yeah, God it told on. Adam, this is the rule. Okay. Do whatever you like. There's just one thing. and There's a choice you can make to obey me or, or, or not. So Adam knew the rule and he watched Eve break it and he didn't step in. Do you know, it's so funny. We started, we never, we never intended this. I don't even know where he's trying to go with his little talk about meals. It's good though. He's making a good point that we actually can enjoy a meal and that God has instituted meals. Absolutely. But do you know what I've just realised? We started this evening talking about rules because I'm like, I've literally come from seeing a post on Facebook by a dog trainer who's confused and given me extra confusion that I didn't need in my life. Um, and so because of this, um, I came to this with kind of rules in my head and, and stuff like that. And where have we just gone? We've just gone to the first rules ever made. Okay, it was such a simple rule. It's like, here's a garden, here's all the fruit you could possibly eat and vegetables i'm sure that here just eat just enjoy yourself except just that one just that one tree there ignore that one the rest of it go for your life and what do they do they're like i can't ignore it you're told you can't do one thing you're told you can't do one thing and you just can't help yourself can you it's like 
they need to practice disengagement like most dogs that I meet. <laughs> it's like, I can't take my eyes off it, can't stop thinking about it, thinking about it. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. That we come back round to rules. Mm-hmm. We started with rules. Mm-hmm. We came up to Almost rules. Almost like there was a plan. Okay, so where are you going with the meal thing? Because I really did interrupt that. I'm really sorry. No, I was pretty much reaching my finale. And then you stole my thunder. <laughs> we should be on telly. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. No. Nobody needs to see this. <laughs> so... This week, we're continuing our slow walk through the Gospel of Luke, and we're reaching the finale, the final step of Jesus's family tree that's recorded in Luke chapter 3. And we get to the very last phrase, which is Adam. Adam, the son of God. So I thought it'd be a good idea this week to look not just at Adam, but Eve as well. So we're going to split into two. I'm going to talk about Adam, and then Lydia's going to pop along afterwards and talk about Eve for a few minutes. So why don't we start at the very beginning? It's a very good place to start. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening. And there was morning. The first day. And on the second day, God created water and sky. And on the third day, God created land and plants. And on the fourth day, God created the sun, the moon and the stars. And on the fifth day, God created the animals that swim and fly. And on the sixth day, God created animals that run and crawl and jump upon the land. And then God created man. The Hebrew word for human is Adam. The first human that God created was named Adam. So basically God created a human and called him human. If you've got small children or you remember having small children, did they ever had a cuddly uh, dog that they called Doggy? Mine did. Or a, a little doll that they called Dolly? Yeah. Well, God had a human and called him human. But Adam was not like the other creatures that God had made. Everything that had been created so far, God had spoken into existence, but not not Adam. Genesis 2 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the very breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So everything created so far was spoken into existence by God in the physical realm, but not Adam. Adam, he was formed from the dirt in, in, you know, from the physical realm, yet he was animated to life when God breathed into him, imparting the, the breath of life, the Bible says, a phrase that's used only in this one place in the entire Bible, the very breath of life. See, Adam is different from all the other living things that God created. Adam is this is this fusion between the physical and the spiritual. With the, the breath of life shared by Yahweh dwells within Adam and nowhere else. 
Adam is different from all the other living things because Adam is this fusion between the physical and the spiritual. And Adam is also different from all the other creatures because Adam has a a calling. Yeah, the birds need only to be birds. The fish only need to be fish. But the human called human has a job to do. He's called to be different. And the difference between Adam and the rest of creation is is this calling to dominion. Yeah, Adam was created to rule over and care for the rest of creation. Genesis 2 says the Lord God, he put the man, he took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. More than being a, a simple gardener, God tells Adam to take dominion over the whole earth, to rule it on God's behalf. Eden was this this small pocket of land. The whole earth was not Eden. Adam's calling was to extend Eden so that it ended up transforming and covering the whole earth. His job was to make the whole earth like Eden, to extend God's kingdom presence over the whole earth. Eden was the one place where God was present and dwelt with earth, dwelt on earth with Adam. Do, do you notice the parallels between Adam's job initially to extend God's kingdom presence over the whole earth and the mandate that we have as Christians? Jesus said to go into all the earth and make disciples as we go, extending God's kingdom with us. And when God created Adam, God gave him the chance to exercise some of his authority to speak words that became reality. The Bible says that God brought every creature that he had created before Adam and whatever Adam named it, that became its name. God gave Adam the power to speak words that define the very things that come to pass. A, A spirit of prophecy, you could say. What Adam says, God agrees with him and says, so be it. God delights to see his creation work things out and make our own decisions. We see glimpses into the spiritual realm where God asks asks his divine counsel for their ideas to solve problems. We see this in the book of Job, for example. In the book of Acts, we see the apostles working out how they're going to spread the gospel and where they're going to go. We have this measure of autonomy underneath God's authority. God gives his creation a a remit and within that remit he desires, desires us to work out our own path. And yet sometimes we can become so so paralyzed trying to discern what God's will is, you know, what should I have for breakfast? We end up doing nothing all day long. You decide, God said to Adam, whatever you call it, so it will be. But Adam, he remains under God's authority and the freedom and responsibility that that God has given to Adam has certain defined limits. Adam is given responsibility to care for creation on God's behalf. But that responsibility comes with the rule, just just one, just one commandment to follow. Genesis 2, and that the Lord commanded the man saying, you may surely eat from every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So the command was given to Adam. It was his responsibility to ensure that it was followed. 
Uh, and Lydia's going to share Eve's story with us in a few minutes, but a quick spoiler, okay? It was Eve who first eats the fruit from the forbidden tree. But the Bible normally talks about it in the terms that say that it was Adam who sinned. In, in Romans, Paul draws this parallel between, between Adam and Jesus and makes it clear that it was Adam's sin, Adam's disobedience, that was this, this catalyst, the, the, the pebble that leads to the landslide. Yeah, it resulted in the entry of sin into the world, the, the murder of, of Abel, the flood of Noah, the need for a law of Moses, the need for Jesus to come at all. Yeah, Romans 5 it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. And so death was spread to all men because all sin, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, talking about Adam, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, talking about Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Yeah, the Bible says Adam was a type of the one who was to come. Adam, who was this different kind of creation, who was of the dirt of the physical world, yet also of heaven, containing the very breath of life that God had breathed into him. And then we have Jesus, who was this unique fusion between the spiritual realm and the physical. God stepped down from heaven into the dirt of the stable to be born both divine and yet human. And Adam, he was tested. He had a choice to obey God's one command. Don't eat the forbidden fruit. Adam was tempted, and yet he failed. Luke lists Jesus' family tree in reverse order, starting with Jesus and working all the way back in time to get to Adam, the one who failed the test. And yet next week, in the very next sentence in Luke's Gospel, we pick up the story again, and Luke writes about the test that Jesus faced when he's taken into the desert, and the devil turns up again just like he did to Adam and Eve in the garden this time the tempter turns up to test Jesus in the desert but more of that next week that's what we pastors call a tease come back next week hear how the story ends you won't believe what happens next anyway let me round off with the end of of Adam's story for now Adam was given this one command to follow and he fails he stands idly by as the devil tempts Eve his wife he does nothing as Eve reaches out for that forbidden fruit and then takes it and eats it he is right there next to her while this happens the bible says and he does not step in he stays silent and then he actually joins in with eating the fruit it was Adam's first sin of not doing what he should have done, of not speaking up, not stepping in, not protecting his wife from making a bad choice. How often are we guilty of standing idly by, of watching things go wrong, watching people make bad choices, not speaking up, not stepping in, watching other people mess up and maybe even joining in with their mess? 
you know, the, the consequences of Adam's actions or his inaction was severe. You know, God walking through the Garden of Eden, he finds Adam and Eve hiding from him. And he says in Genesis chapter 3, he says, And to Adam he said, Because you listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the fields. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. Now Adam's first calling was to extend Eden across the whole earth. To bring God's blessing and presence to all of creation. But now... The whole earth is cursed because of Adam instead of being blessed through Adam. Instead of relying on God's provision in the garden, Adam and his descendants must sweat as they work just to grow the crops they need to survive day by day. And the earth, it still groans under that curse today, yearning for the day when Jesus shall return in the final days. When we read in the book of Revelation that the earth shall be made new and perfect. Now, but this, this is only half the story. Now I'm going to hand over to Lydia. She's going to take us back through the story from Eve's perspective. Good morning. Here's your mini sermon part two, all about Eve. (laughs) You know, in the account of God creating the earth, we read in Genesis 1 that God created each part and saw that it was good. For example, Genesis 1 verses 9 to 10, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. It carries on all the way through that account. God creates something new, and... Then God saw that it was good. But then in Genesis 2, we read this. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. You see, God saw it was not good for the man to be alone. Something in God's beautiful creation was not good. Now, Eve would be God's solution to a problem, man's loneliness. Eve's creation story is all wrapped up in her calling. As human beings, we have a need to be relational. We do not do well alone. And this is one of the reasons that the pandemic lockdowns are not good for our mental health. Humans are relational and we're designed to live with companionship. You know, it occurs to me that God is three persons in one and that's a a sort of grouping and God made man in his own image. So perhaps that includes to be part of a grouping. Anyway, God saw that it was not good for the man to be alone. 
Now, this is not a failing on God's part. It's just that this is midway through creation. So it isn't all there yet. The work isn't yet complete. If you look at a half-made blanket, there may be some beauty to parts of it. But it's also clear that there are some unfinished places, some loose ends to sew in. Surely this is easy for us to grasp. Every creative work might not be fully good until it is complete. So, God said he would make a helper for Adam. This is how the Amplified Bible puts it. Genesis 2 verse 18. I will make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. Then let's continue the story in the ESV, Genesis 2, chapters, um, verse 19 to 20. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave ni- names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. All those birds and animals, not even the dog, could fulfil the brief of a helper fit for Adam. And it's here that we read the story of the creation of Eve. Genesis 2, verse 21 to 25. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. The man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. God performed the first ever surgery on Adam. He caused him to go into a deep sleep and opened him up. God created Adam and all the other creatures from the ground up from a chunk of soil. But Eve is unique. She's the only part of creation that isn't made from a chunk of earth. In using Adam's own body to create Eve, God established a oneness between man and woman. You know, God had a whole body of bones to choose from in Adam. He could choose any of those to create Eve. There are 206 bones in the adult human body. Out of all those bones, he chose Adam's rib to make Eve. In using a bone from man's rib, there is a significance in the fact that woman comes from man's side, not from under his foot. She is from under his arm and close to his heart. This all feels very important to me. This is literally where a woman naturally nestles in a hug. This is a symbolism of her role in Adam's life. Next to him, close to his heart, with his arm around her. 
Now Adam approves of God's newest creation and Genesis records his jubilation. It's almost like a song. Maybe it's the first love song. His joy is found in the fact that she is the same as him. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. And he names her woman because she came out of man. Genesis continues by pointing out that the natural union between man and woman is a rejoining of that flesh, a oneness that is designed for man and woman in marriage. And the passage ends by noting that before the fall, here they were naked and unashamed. The pre-fall nakedness holds no shame, but is also a sign of being completely exposed with nothing hidden from each other. No hidden worries or secret feelings, I'm sure. Everything is just natural and comfortable. All our hang-ups with that kind of exposure are because of the fall. So, to sum up the first point I want to note in my message, Eve's creation story is unique. Woman came about like no other creature. And her arrival completed creation. It was now very good and God could rest. We read in Genesis 1 verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them and God blessed them. Then verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Now, let's return to Eve's calling, which, as I've already shown you, in her story, actually started before her creation. Remember how the Amplified put it? Genesis 2 verse 18, I will make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. Now, Eve, being called a helper, can make her calling seem like she's called to serve Adam. And many would try to make out that a helper is an inferior position. But that's a faulty worldview. You know, helper is a ministry position. And it most certainly does not denote inferior. Think about it. The helping professions, like doctors, are not seen as inferior to their patients. If anything, their helping elevates them to a higher regard. And Jesus helped his disciples know God. He helped them learn how to navigate life on earth. And the Holy Spirit, the very power of God in us, is called what? He's called the helper. Do you still believe that Eve's calling was inferior to Adam? Eve is called and created to be a suitable, complementary counterpart and balance to Adam. The word balance is so good here. I think of old-fashioned scales with two trays. You have to put an equal amount on each side to keep the scales balanced. Too heavy in either direction will tip the scales out of balance. I'll leave you to mull on that. Eve was created, unique to the rest of creation. Eve was called to be a suitable complementary counterpart and balance to Adam. But now we need to look at Eve's part in the earth curse. 
in the consequences of sin. Let's have a look. Genesis 3, verse 1 to 8. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. There is no doubt that Eve was the first human to have their head turned in the wrong direction. The serpent made a suggestion, and Eve started looking in the wrong direction. Verse 6, the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes. You know, this is such a good description of what sin starts out like. It looks good. How could it be bad for me? Put it differently. Why would God create something I'm not allowed? If he loves me, wouldn't he want me to have all of it? Eve had her head turned. And when she focused on the wrong thing, it looked so good. How could harm come from something that looked and felt good to do? I think we all know that feeling. Anyway, Eve may have had the conversation with the serpent, but I do find it incredible that Adam was stood right there with her. Verse 6 continues, She took of its fruit and ate... And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Yes, okay, I now know that Eve ate the fruit first. But Adam was right there with her. Why didn't he stop her? Better still, actually, why didn't he weigh in on the conversation with the serpent? You know, we women, we do a lot of the talking, don't we? And too often, men leave us women to do the talking. If Adam was right there, why didn't he speak up? You know, if both Adam and Eve had united against the serpent, two against one, if they'd united in faith in God's ultimate goodness, sin would not have entered the world. It's so hard when you're left alone to defend your faith. I pray that not one of you is put in that position. And I truly believe that this is one of the reasons that it is important to marry someone who shares your beliefs. Listen, if Adam and Eve could mess up so badly, and they did have shared beliefs, how much harder is it to make life work when your partner in life does not even share your beliefs? And perhaps your partner would even come against them sometimes. 
how much more alone can you end up feeling in a union that is what the Bible calls unequally yoked? Life is hard enough. Marriage is hard enough without conflicting beliefs that cause you to stumble or stagnate as you thrash about whether God even exists and if he does, what he said about this or that. God created Eve to be a helper to Adam. This doesn't mean he was supposed to stand by doing nothing. To help denotes assisting someone in the pursuit they're already on. Why wasn't he pursuing holiness in that moment? I suspect because his face was also turned through the crafty serpent's temptation. The sad truth is, anyway, that their failure to stand up for God's ways together caused sin to come into the world. And they were both given a consequence of this sin that would carry through to us all. Now, Eve's specific consequences were this, Genesis 3 verse 16, to the woman God said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Now, I read that as increased pain in childbirth and an argumentative relationship with your husband. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. I think this is why we have books like Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. We think differently. We respond to things differently. We are maybe more contrary than complementary to our man's life at times, let's be honest. Now, in my opinion, Adam and Eve were created as united and equal to start the human race. After sin entered the world, one of the consequences, or part of the curse, declared over Eve was that the man would rule over her. Did you hear it? It's in verse 16, Genesis 3. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. I believe that scripture shows that the inequality of women is not God's creation design. It is part of the curse. And I'm just pointing it out. I don't have time to dig into that further today. But then, it is after Adam and Eve have sinned and been thrown out of Eden that the first children are born to them. Genesis 4 verse 1 to 2. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. I love that because... This is the first birth on earth. Oh my goodness, a man has come out of me. A small man. I just think it's pretty pretty awesome the way it says, I've got a man. But anyway, she gave birth to two, two boys, Cain and Abel. These are the first humans and they are born with a sinful nature. Sadly, this sinful nature plays out to its worst and Cain ends up jealous of Abel and kills him. But thankfully, Cain the murderer is not the only hope for populating the earth. And Genesis records this, Genesis 4 verses 25 to 26. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And this here is the family line that we have been following backwards in time from Luke chapter 3. 
it is through Adam and Eve's son Seth's descendants that Jesus Christ would be born. Jesus, Jesus Christ, who is described as the second or last Adam, because Jesus came to take away the sin that Adam brought into the world. You know, the end of the story is not Adam and Eve have messed up and now we must suffer the consequences. The end of the story is Adam and Eve messed up, but Jesus came to clean up that mess and give us a happy ending. So if you want to claim your place in that happy ending, pray this prayer with me now. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I believe that you are risen from the dead and that you are coming back again for me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost, a hunger for the things of God, and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm forgiven. And I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. So to sum up, it was not good for Adam to be alone. Eve was created uniquely to help Adam and to balance him. Their disobedience brought sin into the world. But Jesus undid the power of sin in the world. And through him, we each now have a choice to continue to live sinful lives or to be free of the power of sin and to fulfil every creative calling God has for each one of us. You know, in a moment, Mark is going to close this service in prayer. But then, if you have time, please feel free to stay online with us to watch a silly sketch from the skit guys. Otherwise, please feel free to just go on into the rest of your Sunday and be blessed. God bless you, Hope Church. Hello again. I've just creeped here into uh, Lydia's uh, Lady Shedette. Um, just want to uh, finish off with a word of prayer. So pray with me, Church. Heavenly Father, as we've been uh, thinking about Adam and Eve this morning, Lord God, I pray that where um, our Adam or our uh, Eve has gotten out of alignment, Lord God, with your, uh, with your plans and your purposes for us. Father God, I pray that you bring that sense of conviction from the Holy Spirit this morning, Lord God, um, and that you empower us through the Holy Spirit in order to, to get things right. Lord God, if we've been too much like Adam and standing silently by, watching things go wrong, watching people self-destruct, Lord God, I pray that you prompt us and give us the strength and the courage to uh, to speak up, to intervene, Lord God. And um, if Eve has been uh, pulling in the wrong direction and then there's been tension and conflict uh, within marriage and within relationships, Lord God, I pray, Father, for peace, for reconciliation, Lord God. Father, I pray for those who have been married a long time, those who have been married a short time, those who are planning on getting married. Father God, I pray that there will be balance, there will be equal yoking within those relationships, Lord God. Uh, and um, Father, I pray that uh, that we walk in your, in your peace, Lord God, and that, that our marriages, Lord God, are a positive witness and that together, man and wife, Adam and Eve, Lord God, that we uh, reflect a healthy holy uh, and attractive image um, of our Heavenly Father. 
Amen.